So we're after having the best podcast ever recorded. My girlfriend's at the call me, you're gonna kill her. <laughs> so um no, um basically we were talking about on a quick note about bereavement, about losing loved ones and how we deal with it because it's nearly two months since my nana has passed and it almost broke me to be honest. Um my first experience with with death was uh, when I was three when I lost my uh, father. Can't remember can't remember that at all. So all my life for years I was um worrying about how I would deal with the loss of loved ones or how I would deal with death and before I went to Australia in 2012 I was worried about something happening to my family while I was being overseas and one of my best friends Emma Brennan says to me he says Glenn you can't live your life like that you had 23 years with them so cherish every moment you know and it's, it's fine so so coming straight into it you know um one of my this this first of all this podcast is dedicated to Mark Ernan, Darren Sunderland, Davy McDonough, John O'Reilly, Robert Hanlon, and Adele Murray. Uh, they're the most precious life souls that have touched my life, that have made me who I am to this day. Um, so toward the years, it was the first my first experience with death. It was um I was in a bad place. I was drinking in the French shops, and Mark, uh, my best friend, had passed away through mental health issues you know it was um he was the most beautiful soul that i ever came across and what he'd done for me how he made me feel he made me feel like i was on top of the world so the night before you know he was in a bad place he was on the phone to him and um i messaged him send him a long message you know we all lose the run of ourselves and everything's going to be all right i'm here for you and um just don't do me yet and then all of a sudden the next day i got a phone call off him that he had he had passed away and to this day that that man has broke my heart into two he has split my heart into pieces you know the one of the only men that understands me for who i truly am and there for me when when i was in through all the hard times so i was drinking heavily and what i've learned from that experience it's the worst thing i've could have done mixing addiction with with adhd and mental illness i, I didn't even know i was suffering at the time so six months i went on a rampage almost you know came close to the end i was suffering severely and i couldn't deal with it i couldn't deal with how could how could death take my best friend before his time um and then all of a sudden i took a turn you know it uh took a, a big turn and a positive turn i started to use him for for energy and um, without sounding too cliche you know what would I didn't go home for the funeral. I didn't want. I couldn't. I couldn't deal with. It. Couldn't deal with. It. And then, um, then I was thinking, what would what would Mark want, and what would all these people want? They would want me to live my best life. They would want me to be the the best version of myself and make them proud. And that's exactly what I do, done. I continued to, you know, follow my journey. And then, um, I used them to. I was like, Roy, hold on a minute. Why am I not happy? I'm living in Sweden, inside the castle wall. You know why why did mark die and all this so then i started searching deeper you know studying addiction looking at face on and then i started doing courses like in bereavement you know when i have a problem the way i the way i see it is it's i've ran from my problems for years i look at a problem face on and i understand it because you can never be prepared for death but um you can always give yourself the best possible chance so dara you in your experience uh with that or how would you how do you would you explain the deal with it yeah i suppose it's one of those things that's it's part of life you know that from the moment you're born 
just you start to die. Yeah. So it's always inevitable that you're going to die. So accepting it and kind of using it as a a form of celebration when it does come around. And for me, always having good relationships with your circle that's around you and always having concrete last conversations with your circle and always be ready for that day that it could happen to any of us Yeah. at any time, you know. So if you have those solid foundations with your circle, when it does happen, it will be bad, but it probably wouldn't just drag you down as far as if you had bad relationships with your circle. Yeah. So then when something happens in your circle, it can be quite heavy if your last conversations hadn't been on a positive note. But even with that, with people that have died in the past, I always kind of see it as a celebration of transit. Where yep. someone has passed from this life on to the next and celebrate what they did do. Mm. And not maybe their last few years weren't the best, but who they, were, who they yeah. were before that. Maybe they could have been 30, they could have been 90. Yeah. You know, they mightn't have been themselves for the last one. But don't see that one. See the, 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 positive side, the 87 yeah. before that. Yeah. Where they were lively, amazing yeah. characters that were hugely part of your life. So when someone like that passes, I see it as a huge celebration of who they were. Sit around to tell their stories and they'll always be remembered. Yeah. As those beautiful people. And for them, you know, if you're if if you were to talk to them now and they were to say, you know, what would you like us to do? You know? Yeah. What would we, they more than likely would say, have a party. Have the crack. Definitely, you know? definitely. It's yeah. um it's that's it's as um it's funny there that you say celebration, you know, and it's um that's what my mum called me. She was at, you know, my best friend's funeral and she's like, um it was Glenn, it was so beautiful. It was like a celebration and you know, the the spirits were lifted and that's what that's what these people would want, you know. Mm-hmm. These people wouldn't want to sit there and all suffer because life life is too short. Yeah. And you know, the death keeps coming. It's it's a touchy subject, it's nuts, it's bonkers, and then um, it's after Mark, Adele, my my favourite auntie, she had so much soul, she gave me so much energy that nobody else could, could do for me, and that was almost breaking me, and I was like, when does it stop? Like, it never stops, and then that's that's the thing, and then the man that reared me, basically my father, uh, Robbie, he, he, I got a phone call, I was in, in London, and he had passed, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, not even 50. I couldn't deal with it. So I go home, and everybody's telling me how to live life. And you relate to this, Derek, because, mm-hmm. you know, people can say what they want about, tell you how to live your life. You should stay at home with your mum, this and that. But I was still searching myself. You only have one shot at life. So, you know, go whatever, knee deep, whatever it is mm-hmm. that you're going to do. That's the way I see it. And, you know, as you said there, really good quote, the day you're born is the day you start, start dying. Waste no time. So when I was carrying the coffin, this power came over me, this absolutely abundance of, of energy, this, it was like he was talking to me for, from the grave, it was freaky. And then I was sitting in the front of the, of the church, and I couldn't, I couldn't look at the coffin, because I felt like he was looking at me, he was like, one day, you're going to be in that box, and are you going to live right, are you going to live for others, or are you going to live for yourself, you know? And I was struggling with letting him go, and how am I going to deal with my mum? How am I going to live in the Cook Islands, New Zealand? My mum is there. And then it keeps coming and it doesn't stop. And then recently, on, on to a quick point here, uh, 
after coming back from the Cook Islands to seek professional help, it was uh, then fucking my nana, my best friend, with all the energy in the world, um, got cancer. And I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with the fact that, I know she's 77, that like, she's, she's not, one of my friends says, ah, she's not going to live forever. I know that, but it's a constant flow of like, suffering with addiction, having a mental breakdown the Cook Islands, your best friend dying, all the negatives of life, all life coming at you. Because mm. life constantly does keep throwing negative bullshit at you. No. But it's how you deal with it. And I was in the park and I was I was screaming and crying and I was depressed and I was like, why am I waiting to die? And all this shit that was going on in my mind, I was like, how am I going to let go of my nana? She's the only one that understands me. She's through the chaos. The two of us match. It's like yin and yang. And then all of a sudden, the sun came up and everything came out and made sense. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to sit there and let, let this get to me. I'm going to do something about it. Look, I, look, I always done. So I started training, running 10K a day. I started eating healthy. I started intermittent fasting. So that's where you have breakfast, lunch, dinner. You stop eating at 4 o'clock or 6 o'clock. You have a 16-hour gap. And then, you know, it was it was bonkers. All of a sudden, my life went from negative to positive. I went from, like, wanting to die, basically, to feeling like I could change the world. I had this much, so much energy. And... Then I go in, I remember, uh, I go into the room, whatever, and my ma is going to kick my ass for saying this, um, but it's it's the truth, and, you know, I'm not looking for attention. It's uh, But basically, I go in after 36 hours of fasting, right, and my nana's there, I give her a kiss on the forehead, and all of a sudden, I feel this energy lifting me from, lifting my spirits, you know. I felt like, am I supposed to be suffering? Am I supposed to be crying? And then I go on this massive boner. Like, <laughs> like, like, this big fucking nasty boner at the worst time, but it was harder than ever. And I, and I was like, seriously, and I'm not even saying this for attention. Like, no, yeah, honest, yeah, honest yeah, to God. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, my beautiful girlfriend didn't, didn't help, you know. But uh, it's like I was like, Jesus Christ. And then when 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 I was when that stuck up, I was like, I'm alive. Like somehow, somehow after all the fucked up shit that I've done, that I'm alive. And what would my nanny want? She'd want me to live my life for me, not for nobody else. And she was even saying, she says to me, cousin Shauna, she says, uh, oh, where's your, where's your onion? Because Shauna was crying, get your onion out of your, out of your pocket. You know what I mean? Yeah, she had that yeah. dark sense of humour. And on her on a, on a deathbed, she was like saying, um, on her deathbed, she says, I was doing nights, bro. When I was, when I was doing nights, my ma says, right, we're going to leave you downstairs with Glenn one of the first nights. And she says, don't leave me down here with that cunt, he'll try rape me. <laughs> and a lot of people don't understand the relationship yeah. that maybe Danny have. Yeah, and yeah. I, I says, I says, uh, no, you might fucking like it. And it was just that dark <laughs> sense of humour. But yeah. what she brought to the table, my ma totally forgot about Nana dying. Yeah, yeah. And was falling around laughing. She, me, me ma, everybody went to bed, they were breaking the story laughing. And she brought that much energy. So what Mark, he, what he left, he, he left me, helped me, guide me towards suffering with addiction. And my Nana taught me not to give a flying fuck what people think. People can say what they want, but that doesn't matter. The opinions of others doesn't matter. So it's, um, with the intimate fasting, you can never be prepared for that. Death absolutely sucks balls. Life sucks balls, but you can give yourself the best possible chance. As you were saying there about, you mentioned about drink, you know, it's the worst thing you can do. So Yeah, because it's a, it's a delicate balance when someone dies because you're full of emotions. Heightened sense of lots of different things coming through, lots of different things going through your mind. Did I do this? Did I do enough? Was I around enough, especially for travellers? Because when you're travelling, you're away for so many years that yeah. it is something that does go through your mind. Was I around enough? 
was I there for them? Yeah, yeah. You, you almost know, so feel a little bit selfish. A little bit selfish, but you know, in the sense, if you were, if you were to talk to them, they wouldn't harbour any judgment of your choices. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So if if you were to think of the honest, what they would actually say, instead of letting your own mind reel you into this guilt. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's kind of if you actually think what they would actually think, then you kind of come to a reality that you're not doing anything really that selfish at all. Yeah. And when they do die, coming back and celebrating that fact. But, you know, a good quote from my granddad when he died, it was, um, when I was born, I was crying and you were all laughing. Now I'm laughing and you were all crying. Oh, my God. That is an, that's inspiration, man. That's that's amazing. That was, that was when he was on his, on his on deathbed. His deathbed. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's nuts. And speaking of... Uh, uh, your, your grandfather similar him so after after all this happens yeah when Nana yeah. and all the negative bullshit of life thrown thrown stuff at me then fucking my grandfather suffers deeply with addiction with alcoholism and um kills him you know and it's it's nuts it's nuts it's um he gets taken into, into hospital then he goes into a home and then he gets COVID-19 so my mum was like I can't deal with this Glenn you know of course he's he's nearly 80 but she's just at the burying her mother you know it's a constant flow of death keeps coming mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. and people can say you know it, it's selfish it's not, but you have to live for you because when I'm on my deathbed I want to know I've done enough and it's not went back to my grandfather he um so he got put in he's a raven nutcase like he's he's off his rocket he thinks he's 16 <laughs> and but a lot of people don't see he's sick behind, behind yeah, there yeah. and the reason why I'm saying this opening up is because you know People don't realise that addiction, mental illness or alcoholism is sickness. People think, oh, he's a bastard, this and that. So all you had to, had to actually break the news to him. He didn't even know Nana died. So I had to go into a home, risk take getting COVID, bring it back to my family because I wanted to break the news to him. I'm, I'm like his number one, I'm his golden boy. So I go in and it was the most, my brain was on, in pain with all the shit that was going on with my life yeah. and all that. And then I go into the into the home, and then I'm having a laugh, and I'm like winding him up. Or he was, he's like, "Where's my dog?" And I was like, "I killed it." You know, kind of bring that sense of humour. Then my nana's sense of humour, dark sense of humour, lighting him up before breaking the news to him. And when I was looking into his eyes, into his soul, he was crying. He knew so he could feel the energy that something was wrong, that nana was gone, and it was it was nuts. It was like outside the window. You talk about when you seen faces or the universe talking to you when you're coming into Scotland. Yeah, it was like yeah. outside the window. People were like protecting me. So as much as it sounds crazy, it was like mm-hmm. I felt this mental crazy energy that no matter what, everything is gonna be alright because it can't get worse. And before I was break when I was breaking the news to him, deep down in his eyes, through his soul, I could see him to his soul. And that man regrets everything he done in life that upset my grandmother, that upset my ma. Deep down, a lot of people say he doesn't, but deep down I know he would have never acted barbaric in any form if he was if he was sober and in the soul and then what I took from that from that moment of time I was like that gave me life experience and that gave me energy too no matter how hard life gets no matter how deep it gets keep fighting mm-hmm. you know the worst thing I could do now was walk out, out of the home get drunk go back and lose my mind again and what I took from that because when I want to be on my deathbed I don't want to die with any regrets mm-hmm. and it's just a blessing that I was seeing the problem that I had at 30 and at 32 and looking at him. He left me, my grandfather left me this secret. And that's 
everything. You take something from everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. 